name is Tiana, and welcome back to another episode of From the Field to the Track. As usual, I am joined by my co-host and lovely best friend, Katie, and we have two very, very special guests on From the Field to the Track today. You may recognise them. I don't know if you do, though, but they are the two stars of the Going Global episode, our very, very near and dear friends, Jenna, Tommy, and Charlotte Austin. How is everyone today? I'm good. That's good. How are you? How are you? Yeah, how are you, Tiana? How am I? I'm great. <laughs> I'm slaying the night away. How, the real question is, how is Katie? <laughs> That's the real question, because she's not slaying at all. Oh, oh uh, I'm fine. I'm just losing my voice a little bit. Um, but it's chill. Like, whatever, you know. Someone's got to carry the boats. Yeah, someone's yeah, always exactly. got to carry the, carry the, carry the torch. Carry the boat. So, and supposed to like sail it, captain it, pick it up and swim with it. <laughs> oh my god, you guys okay. don't spend enough time with like 18 year old boys. There's just later on, go onto TikTok and search up someone's got to carry the boats. It's just this really weird sound. Anyway. Okay, anyways, so today's episode is called Jenna has a lot of. Has, okay, I will. <laughs> Today's episode is called Jenna has several things to say. So this has been taken <laughs> straight from our group chat where Jenna literally said, this is what I have to say on the podcast. We're going to talk about it. So first of all, what has changed between you and Charlotte, uh, Jenna and Charlotte, since the last time we saw you? We'll go Jenna and then we'll go Charlotte. Not a lot has changed. I mean, I'm home now. I moved back to the U.S. in, like, July full-time. Um, I've been working with some racing series in the U.S., uh, IMSA mainly, with a company called Capristo Exhaust, which is a massive exhaust manufacturer. And I've just been dabbling more in the automotive industry and, like, less in just racing, just to try to dip my toes in the water somewhere else. I'm trying to figure out plans for next year now, but other than that, I just missed being on the pod. Charlotte? The pod misses you. Um, I wish I could say mine is that exciting. I graduated high school. Um, okay, yeah. Graduated high school, um, started an internship with a basketball team. Um, and that's, that's all I've done. That's all you've done? Nothing, nothing else? Oh cool. What about your plans for next year? Oh, I'm moving to London. Um, I'm going in March, I think. I, it really depends. It fluctuates every single day. But we're going to travel Europe for 10 weeks. And then I'm going to study in London in September. Good job. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Red Bull Juniors, we were, on, on Jenna's list of things to talk about was the influx of driver academies dropping juniors and dropping their junior drivers from their academies. So what I've written down so far is, obviously, Red Bull have, Jack, have dropped both Jack Crawford and Dennis Hauger, and then Mercedes have dropped Paul Aaron. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on why like why you think that these academies are dropping drivers do you think that they're just losing faith in like the drivers or there's simply too many drivers in the driver academy and not enough seats in formula one or other series of racing so we'll go katie charlotte jenna oh, okay um <laughs> all the pressure's on me okay um yeah i think i think you're probably right in saying like we're gonna get into it later but the whole like climate in formula one the way things are moving at the moment the kind of era that we're in in terms of the drivers and how long they're probably going to stay for there's not a lot of hope for drivers in formula two 
um, in Formula 3 that are in driver academies to, to just directly slot themselves into a seat. So we're at a kind of unique time where those two things are both contributing to drivers wanting obviously being released from their driver academies and then going to other series that like don't have anything to do with formula one um yeah so i think i think that's that and i will say that it's really sad um especially drivers who have been in the driver academies for a while and um yeah it seems weird when their cars don't have the logos on them anymore doesn't it but um yeah mm. oh is it me yeah. um <laughs> yeah I can't sit here and say that it's like a no seat thing or like a no space because they drop these drivers and they pick up all these new ones. Like you see Red Bull dropping like 20 drivers, but then they're picking up 40 new drivers at the same time. Yeah. Um, And you'd hope that it's like a dual ended agreement, like it's on both sides, but you just never know in this kind of world. And I think it's just like, I don't know. I feel like what Katie said, like there's not enough seats in Formula One for everyone to get a seat in Formula One from a driver academy. And this is what these driver academies are for to like help people foster, like foster, prosper in their Formula One careers. And so if they're going to other like racing series, I guess it's just, it's kind of a hit or miss with driver academies, especially when they're big ones like Red Bull or Mercedes. And there's only like a certain amount of seats that can be filled in Formula One. Yeah, that's a fair point. Jenna? I think... I was thinking about a little bit of both. I think, first of all, the talent pool in F1 right now is just, like, undeniable. Like, teams like Red Bull are obviously going to stay with drivers like Max Verstappen, and they're going to want someone with the talent and the experience to match that so that they can continue to win Constructors' Championships easier than harder. You know, as much as Max could probably win a Constructors' Championship by himself, it doesn't mean he wants to and has to, and that's not something Red Bull that, that Red Bull wants. So I think a lot of these contracts are ending mutually. Um... But I do think that a lot of these junior drivers have been kind of pushed into a corner as like an ultimatum of like they're either maybe going to end up in reserve driver purgatory, I like to call it, for a considerable amount of time. Or they almost have to just leave themselves and be like, okay, you know what, it's better to just open all the opportunities up to see if there's anything anywhere than just be stuck with one specific team. Because say all these Red Bull junior drivers, obviously like you're not seeing a lot of potential in places that they could grow right now, but maybe there'll be an offer at one of the lower teams of the constructors later on in the year. They don't want to be stuck there. There's also a lot of um, opportunities for development drivers. Teams do pay junior drivers, development drivers, reserve drivers to do sim days and to do other things. And I think a lot of those opportunities are coming up and, also, teams are cutting funding. Um, I know that there's teams like Williams that spent a lot more money this year in crash damage, to say it, uh, than maybe they planned on. And so these millions of dollars that they were promising kids to get in F2 seats and reserve driver seats just aren't feasible anymore for the company. But, I mean, yeah, it's a brutal industry. And obviously, like, these kids' parents and sponsors are pouring so much money into their careers that I think... It's probably a combination of, one, a, a, a junior just gets dropped. Like, no questions, just like, hey, dude, you're done, sorry. Two, they get pushed into a corner of being like, hey, we're cutting all funding for you. You're getting $15,000 next year. You can stay with us if you can find the other $3 million. Or three, so that's like kind of their choice, but, you know, it pushes them away a bit. Or three, they realize, hey... This isn't an opportunity I want anymore. I don't want to end up in this reserve driver purgatory where you're not seeing an F1 cockpit for so long. And they're just bowing gracefully at themselves. Yeah. I think that's, 
I think that's a very fair like assessment of it all from all three of you really but I think mm. it goes back to like what you all were kind of touching on which is the the driver climate of F1 at the moment like you look at it now we have a relatively young grid like besides obviously Fernando and Lewis and like all of the and Checo and stuff we have a relatively young kind of Formula One grid we've had the three rookies of Alex Albon um George Russell and Lando Norris debuting in 2019 and then obviously the two rookies of Oscar Piastri and um Logan Sargent debuting this year. So obviously these drivers are still very young and very promising in their careers. So I honestly can't see for the next like, what, like five or 10 years, a lot of seats, we're gonna see a lot of seats open up. Although next year's silly season kind of looks very promising because a lot of drivers are going off contract. At the end of the day, I feel like a lot of those drivers are re-signing with either the team that they're at or re-signing with another team. You know what I mean? Like, I just want, like, yeah. what are your thoughts on kind of the driver climate at the moment? I, Sorry, just so I don't forget this. I think that one thing that's also happening is we're seeing people like Lando with McLaren and Charles with Ferrari and even Lewis with Mercedes that they have these, like, dreams and things that they want to fulfill before that their time is over. So, like, Lando's first win. Obviously, McLaren was super, super promising at the end of the season and, like, I don't see them dropping Oscar anytime soon, and I don't see them dropping Lando anytime soon. I think if Lando were to leave, it'd be on his own free will, but obviously they have so much potential there that it doesn't make sense for him to leave right now. So they're still pining for that first win, first championship. Mercedes is still fighting for Lewis's eighth championship. Like, Toto Wolff said it in an interview, I think a few weeks ago, actually, that was like, it still upsets me that he doesn't have that eighth, and like, we're still going to fight for it. So I don't see that going anywhere. I don't see Charles Leclerc going anywhere different than Ferrari. I think that's... Yeah in his blood almost in a weird sense and it just would I think it would almost feel like betrayal to the entire team I think that there's so much like unfinished business right now in F1 that it's just like what Katie said in one of your recent TikToks when you're like we're seeing the same season come over again and talk about the same sorry someone just walked into my room anyway like what Katie said in your recent TikTok like we're we're basically seeing an extension of this 2023 season because we feel like so much is still yet to come and I think that the current team principals and CEOs are just looking so much at their current drivers and seeing what they can do. Like Alex Albon, for example, like all these really impressive rookies. And yeah, Logan Sargent had a rough season, but that doesn't mean that there's still not promise for him. You know what I mean? Like he showed potential, obviously enough to get an F1 seat. So that's my take. Yeah. And I think to speak on you, like talking about Alex and stuff, um, and you know, Alex has obviously been at Williams for a few years now and that kind of familiarity with not only the car but, like, the way the team works and stuff like that. I I, I think that that's probably why he had some of the good season. Like, obviously a large part of it was experience on Logan and him just being a great driver. But having that familiarity with the way the team works, Formula One mm. and stuff like that, I think gave Alex a, a leg up for this season. And I... And um, in terms of the next year's silly season, I think we are going to see a lot of lateral movement, so movement between teams rather than signing new drivers. Um, just because, yeah, the talent pool is crazy in Formula 1 right now. Um, there is obviously a few drivers that have extreme loyalty to the teams that they are in, but mm. um, there's a lot of drivers who probably do want to kind of look to the next step and make either a step forward or like as I said like a lateral lateral step to see if they fit in better at another team which will be interesting and I do I think it will be very very exciting next year um and it will be an exciting season anyway but silly season is is definitely going to give us some entertainment Charlotte how do you feel about it I just 
can't see a plausibility of any drivers really leaving right now, like on the grid. And I like had some like hypothesis hypotheses at the beginning of the season of like who was going to move, and none of that happened. And now that I've seen how strong the grid is, just like as a whole, I can't see any of them really shifting in the next couple of years. Like I can see them shifting between seats, like Katie said, but I can't realistically see any of them leaving until I see how obviously next season pans out and see what happens next season. Um, I don't know. I've always thought that like each year would be Fernando's last and then he comes for another year. And I feel like he's, he's like, he came in with such a good season this season. So I can't see him leaving in the next 10 years. And I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, but he's doing so good. And I don't want to see him leaving the grid. And I know that like a lot of people would like the older people to leave to let younger people step up, but they're ordering really well. So I can't see any of them like stepping away from their seats right now. Maybe that'll change next season if some of them like have a poor season, but I can't see anyone. Yeah, I can't imagine how next year's silly season is going to be, to be fair. Yeah, and I think it's like Fernando Alonso, say if Fernando Alonso was having a shocker of the season, like coming consistently last or like crashing out and all of this stuff, like, yeah, then maybe you could make the argument of maybe it is time for him to retire. But I don't think Mm -hmm. that like looking at Fernando's season, even when he was at Alpine last year, like he has looked so strong since like coming back onto the F1 grid. Like he doesn't even look like he's going to retire anytime soon. And yeah, Um, and I think with, sorry, you go Jenna. Oh, no, you're all good. Oh, so I was just going to say, like, I think, in my very honest opinion, I think the way that Mercedes is kind of heading is when Lewis Hamilton retires, I I think that seat is pretty much signed to Kimi Antonelli. I don't know if that's, like, a common belief that we all share, but I think, in my opinion, I think if Mercedes is going to give Lewis Hamilton's seat when Lewis Ham- if and when Lewis Hamilton retires, I think that seat is pretty much signed away to Kimi Antonelli. But if you guys think differently, please tell me. But... I have predictions. Just signed a rookie. Oh, okay. Prediction. Predictions. Sorry. Predictions. I have predictions. So, okay. I think that currently we're just talking about Williams. I don't think Williams would do anything. I think Katie said with lateral movement is the only thing that would happen because they have O'Sullivan and they have Colapinto, and neither of which have even done a year enough too. So I don't think that we're going to see a Williams rookie. One person I think we could see is Ollie Berman at Haas. That, I think, is kind of written in sand and stone in the sense of, you know, Ferrari's been put a lot of time into Behrman and, like, they see a lot of potential and we all do based on his results, etc. And then I think Jack Dewan may be at Alpine, but that's also a little bit in reserve driver purgatory. I love using that phrase lately. Um, Alfa Romeo, I could see maybe Porsche, but I think we see in Porsche and in Dewan this Robert Schwartzman effect. Or Giovinazzi effect yeah. that like you know maybe they'll get a few years but like we said the current talent pool just isn't enough to be pulling rookies in and like Alpine even has that super strong French duo right now that I can imagine understand each other really well and although they might bicker and fight every once in a while like they still work really well as a team together um but I do think I was just thinking Antonelli, Mercedes did drop a few of their juniors and they are really focused on Antonelli. Obviously he's skipping F3, which is pretty unheard of. And everyone's known his name for years now, which is also unheard of in like Frucca and Italian F4. Like how many drivers can you name on the Italian F4 grid? Yeah. I can't. No one. None. Kimi and Stone. You know None. what I mean? Frucca, Kimi yeah. Antonelli, yeah. James Wharton. You know what I mean? Like Prema drivers that have really good media coverage and Kimi Antonelli. So... Jenna yeah, I think Antonelli is really promising. I think Antonelli is really promising, but I do think one thing 
that we also need to look at is like the good media coverage that we're getting for people like Alonso. Like I know Jimmy, the social media manager at Alpha, not Alpha Romeo, Aston Martin, is eating up all of this Alonso content, and so is everyone else. And so teams look at that as potential money makers and such. And like you see that with even Logan Sargent. How many memes does Logan Sargent get made about him? Williams notices that. I think to to um to take off your point there, Jenna, the way that drivers or teams are seeing what people want and responding to that through the way that they're using their media is amazing. Like you look at Mercedes doing that video with George, like um, he was like reviewing the memes about him from this year, and I was like, that is genius. That is what people want to see. Mm. They want to see drivers interacting with the things that the fans are making and stuff like that. That's perfect. And that's a really intelligent decision from them, I think. And a lot of teams are doing that kind of thing. I was waiting for you to feature on that video, Katie. Sure. I watched the entire video just, like, waiting for you to show up. Uh, That's – isn't it – okay, I have one, like, kind of off-topic question. But I feel like it's so interesting, like, what drivers have, like, a weird amount of Instagram followers. Like – Let's just say, like, Zach O'Sullivan, like, doesn't have that many followers compared to the rest of the grid, and he finished second in the championship. Isn't that kind of odd? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's... Mm. Um, what's the word? I feel like... Next I question! ...talked about this. I feel like I... I feel like I've sent a message about this, and I know I have. And I don't understand, and maybe, like, one of you guys do, but the Franco... Should we play Jeopardy before. music while Charlotte loads? There's, like, a post. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, is my Wi-Fi bad? No, I can no, hear you. We can hear you, Charlotte. We can hear you, Charlotte. Oh, I can't. I'm, I'm sorry, I totally interrupted that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, go, Charlotte. You were telling us about Franco um, Colapinto. Anyway, yeah, yeah, there's like a post, and it'll be like, Paul Aaron, um, let me think of some like absurd people, like, um, Gabriel Bordoletto, and then it'll be Franco. And then all the comments are just like, the Argentinian flag, and then like, Franco, and I'm like, where does this come from? I don't know where it comes from. And, like, he's a great driver, but he's got, like, what, 140k on Instagram? And I don't know where this all, like, popped up from. I, I you don't know understand. What? You make such a fair point there because every single time there's, like, a bunch of, like, Formula 2 or Formula 3 will post something. Or even, like, when he was doing the, like, postseason testing and, like, they were post like, Williams was posting about it. I literally go into the comments and there's just the Argentinian flag throughout the comments. And I'm like, what? Like, what is, this just- is it? Everyone in their like mothers is just deciding to spam. The Ar- Maybe we should join in. Maybe we should spam the Argentinian flag in the, Maybe in, in the comments. Maybe we're spamming the French flag. It's a terrible chair. Yeah, you are. Um. So the next thing on the real agenda to talk about, besides you know the drivers and all of this, wait, is I a need driver to get my that. Dog. Okay, she's getting her dog. Okay, <laughs> should I should I just wait for you to get your dog? Yeah. No, you can keep going. Wait until Charlotte's Okay. Because we'll just... Okay. Oh, Charlotte has been interviewing for, like, three minutes. Hello, I'm Pete. sorry. Oh, no. What is... Why? But she's working. But, like, I can see the rest of you, so I don't understand. It what might be my sorry? Wi-Fi. Um, so, the next topic that we're going to talk about is a driver that is very near and dear to my heart. Obviously, my favorite driver of all time. Clem at Novelac. So, Jenna wants to talk about why Clem is leaving racing to become an influencer. So, Jenna, you take it away. Take t- t- Start us off with your points about 
Clem well, leaving to become First of all, I don't want to say that I'm spreading the rumor mill saying Clem is leaving racing to become an influencer. Because who knows? <laughs> no, no, no. This his influx first people. So based on Sorry, this guys. rumor that Clem is based on this rumor that Clem is leaving racing to become an influencer, I wanted to bring up the topic that I feel like a lot of these junior drivers that are getting dropped are or just not seeing the ROI in becoming an F1 driver because obviously you put so much money into it and there's just not a lot of money you get out of it until you're at a super high level, are just finding other ways to make money. Like I said earlier with the whole, they're becoming de development drivers for teams. Like maybe someone left Red Bull or they got dropped from Red Bull and then is joining Aston Martin as like a development driver because that's the way they can make money and like still be in the industry. People that are moving to IndyCar, Marcus Armstrong, we saw Jack Dewan tried to move to IndyCar and got blocked by, I don't even know what happened in the intermittence of that, but didn't work. And I think that someone that's charismatic like Clem and a lot of the other drivers, like I think we kind of see Correa doing this a little bit, are really leaning into the more social media aspect side of things because they really see a future in it. Like James Blair, for example, a lot of people know who James Blair is. Obviously, he's a main guy on Screaming Meals. And in the racing industry, people know who he is, but he quit racing ages ago. And he's still making money from it. And he's probably doing a lot better financially, at least in racing, than someone who's just racing in Formula 2. So I think it's just a matter of whether or not these drivers are deciding to leave what is a pretty hostile environment and just kind of seeing because of the whole influx of influencers coming in and creators and like you see the people in that one paddock that you're like, oh, this girl's literally a TikToker. Like, how did she get here? You know what I mean? Like, I think there's just they're realizing that there's other ways to make their money and be involved in racing than being a racing driver. And I don't think it's a bad option, like I said, especially for those charismatic folks that are familiar with being on camera, that know their audience, that know what they're trying to put out. And I think if we open this conversation up to why Screaming Meals does so well, it's because they let go. Like, it's it's not... It's not the kind of interview that you're having after a race. They do, but they tell these funny stories of growing up and racing. And, and fans who, like me, I haven't grown up in racing at all. And now I have all of this insight and I have all of this, even like the, like the, the, the language and stuff that I learn about racing and a lot of other language as well. But the language that I learn about racing through listening to their podcast is crazy. And also... um. Another one, like I'd argue that Clem, um, not didn't have a very good season this year, but lots of people know who he is. Like I have a friend who, um, used to race with like Marcus and Liam when he was a kid, and he he's like I've never watched a Formula Two. Like he watched his first Formula Two race that he's ever watched was Abu Dhabi this year, and he was like I've never watched these people, but I watched Screaming Wheels all the time because it like gives me like deja vu of like when I used to do cutting but um anyway so what I'm saying is yeah that puts them on the map it makes them more marketable for drivers it makes them more marketable to make moves across series and um yeah I think Screaming Meals is a genius idea and and they're not afraid to keep building on it and keep finding other ways of making revenue and I think that they, we've got a lot more to see from them. Um, I mean, they've just out, put out a merch line. Like, 
That's crazy. Which is too expensive for me to buy, which I'm still sad about. I'll buy it for you. Thanks, Cheers. Queen. It's sold out, though. I should have worn my it. shirt today. You should have. Oh, did you get your... <gasps> you should have! Oh, my gosh. That was such my a missed opportunity. <coughs> I know. I'm sorry, guys. Um, But, yeah, like, touching on what, like, both Katie and Jenna have both said, I think at the end of the day, it was very evident, like, from if you watch Screaming Meals or if you even, like like listen to it or whatever that mm. Clem wanted to be very far away from that F2 paddock more than like he was like it was not vibes he was not enjoying it and I don't think really even Marcus in his last year of Formula 2 he wasn't really enjoying it either I think we talked about Kate and I talked about this yesterday we were like saying that for four, like it is so pointless for you to do five seasons in Formula 2 and like instead of like go to another form of motorsport or try and get some some other experience in motorsport because Formula 2 is just like it's so it's so difficult and so hard for like people to even like you know the cars are difficult for drive and all of this like there's all this outside like factors that like impact on that so i understand him leaving formula 2 to obviously pursue obviously we hope to pursue other forms of racing and even by him just like making content on like tiktok or like youtube and all of this stuff like it it boosts his like the way that people like view him obviously he's a pop he's a very popular figure in motorsport in formula 2 as well and if he does like pursue to go to another form of racing like he's gonna know that he already has fans who's gonna watch him and who are gonna support him you know what i mean yeah i think it also goes back to what you were just saying about like having a presence outside of just racing and i think that people get caught up a lot in this whole you know, like, their dream is to be an F1 world champion. But their dream is also the lifestyle that comes along with it. Like, racing is a big part of it. And I'm sure anyone who raced Formula 2, Max Futrell, you, of course he looks at Lando with a little bit of jealousy. And it's like, wow, you know what? I, I wish I still raced. Because that's cool. And when you go and look at it, you miss it. As you do anything. Like, you did, especially if yeah. you spent so much time and put so much energy into it growing up. But I think what a lot of these drivers are learning is that that lifestyle is accessible in motorsports by not just being a racing driver and it would almost be better and more enjoyable for them if they let go of that part and just really leaned into what they were good at and like how to knack yeah. it and I, and I think that, yeah like you said Max Futural like Max like think about it. Max was like in Formula 3 and he like I, don't, I can't remember if he did Formula 2 but um like look at him now now he's like full-time Twitch streamer, full time. Like he, like he's a, he's a big part of Quadrant. He's a big part of, and obviously, he's gonna look at Lando and be like, "Damn, like that's my best friend. Like we literally did everything together, all our like junior careers, and he made it, but I didn't." But I think at the end of the day, if as long as they're happy, and I think Max quite, like he's quite content knowing that what he's doing, he's he like he likes what he's doing, and even though it's not racing, he's still involved in the Formula One world, and people in Formula One know who he is, and he can still, like, live that life that he wants to live, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Charlotte, what are your thoughts? I'd love Charlotte. to be a Formula One influencer. I'm here, don't worry. Um, I don't know if my Wi-Fi is really bad, though. We can hear you. I can hear you, at Because my bars have gone down to one. But, um, I honestly, like, understand that racing is not something that is cheap and it's not something that you can sustain without like another job or without funding from like junior teams etc and so I think if they can find a way to make their money elsewhere and they enjoy what they're doing and they are okay with letting go with the racing part I 
think is a great thing to do and I think they know they're smart enough to know what they're doing and they're smart enough to know what like pertains to certain audiences and I think you know if he if he was to leave and become an influencer I reckon he'd be really good at it I'd like to see that yeah that's fair that is very fair get him like in the paddock <laughs> paddock vlogs with Clem hey, hey, yeah, he's, just, he's like, just like oh speaking of vlogging I wanted to bring this up has anybody watched Liam Lawson's first YouTube video no no okay well okay well close that point down <laughs> then I wanted to it's actually a very it's a very sweet YouTube video um uh, he just he makes me miss can you recreate so, it for us like, I live here but he he just he just he just reminds me so much of like just the average Kiwi boy like I would say Marcus Armstrong has lost like a lot of his like classic Kiwiness but Liam Lawson hasn't like he's so funny but yeah no, good. Good points, Katie. Good points. Good points. Riverside, cut that Thank up you. for TikTok. Cut that up for TikTok, please. Um, speaking of, obviously, we have come to the. Oh gosh, Katie is dying. Oh. Um, she's come to the end too. She's come to the end. <laughs> she heard end and was like, "Yep, it's time for me." This to is go. her end. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, we've come to the end of the Formula One, Formula Two, Formula Three, F1 Academy, Freca, F4, all motorsports, the end of the seasons. So I want to know everyone's favorite moments from the 2023 season. It can be from any category of motorsport, just like two or two, one or two of your favorite moments from the season. We'll go Jenna, Charlotte, Katie. Oh, yay, I love going first. Um, I think my <laughs> all-time favorite moment from this season was watching... Lando overtake Max in Silverstone, first corner. That was Silverstone, right? Oh yeah, that's a- that was yeah, yeah, yeah. nuts. Because I watched that in person, and the crowd was just like insane. And that was like the only time this season that we've ever seen someone like really challenge Max, or at least we saw it more. But that was the first time that we really saw McLaren get up there, and that was incredible. Um, that's the only one that like that really stands out. That was such a good day for motorsports. Um, probably memorizing the Dutch national anthem at every podium. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that Red Bull. Like when they did their spot, like they posted something on like TikTok and Instagram, and it was like this when everyone's Spotify rap was coming out, and it just said like what you listen to the Dutch national anthem like three hundred and thirty times. And I was like, yeah, I, like at least they're I playing into this joke. <laughs> Right on. Katie? My favourite moment moment of the year, uh, I think it would have to be, like, the whole of Singapore, like, the Singapore race. I love Singapore as just a weekend anyway, but it was such a great race. Um, The, like, seeing Carlos and Lando after the race was just absolutely magical. Um, yeah, so I think that that would be my my favourite moment of the year. Charlotte, do you have a favourite moment of the year? I have two. Yay! Um, Go for okay, it. Okay, so obviously I'd be like a fake Australian if I didn't say Oscar Piastri's sprint win. That was beautiful. Love Oscar Piastri. Um, and then as much as I disliked the Vegas Grand Prix, it was on at a beautiful time and it was the first race this year that I got to watch with my brother. And so Charles' overtake was really quite monumental for the both of us. So 
I think that was really exciting. Those were two of my favorite moments, but heavy on Oscar's win because we take what we can get in Australia. Aussies everywhere season. celebrated. I celebrated. Um, if I was to think of like two moments that stood out to me, I think everyone can guess one of them. But obviously, it's got to be Oscar's. Oscar's win was definitely. I just remember sitting in my room being like, there's no way that Oscar's getting his first win before Lander. Like, although it was a sprint race win. I was like, there's no way that that happened. Anyways. But obviously then my my most standout moment is Clem winning the feature race in Zandvoort. Um, the, the scenes that happened in the Soans household when he took the lead and then won the race, they were unmatched. Everyone in my family was like, what is wrong with... What is wrong with our sister? What is wrong with our daughter? She is going clinically insane. And then the best thing was getting messages from everyone and being like, you're the first person I thought of when Clem was taking the lead. Or how are you doing? Like, Clem is leading. Clem is going to win this race. And I was like, this is like the most wholesome thing ever. Um, But yeah, I think what else was really monumental? Maybe like Abu Dhabi 2020, like Abu Dhabi at the end of the, like for the, yeah, Katie, go. Uh, no, you finish your point about Abu Dhabi and then we'll go to me. I have another favourite moment. Okay. Um, Abu Dhabi for Formula 2, really, because I love watching a title be, like, decided. And I think although I was rooting for Fred Vesti, I was also really happy that Teo won it because he genuinely did deserve that. Like, both drivers were very deserving of the championship and I am very proud, like, I'm very proud to say that I supported both of them throughout the season. So, yeah, Katie, go on to your point. For the moment that we've all been waiting for that we can actually talk about it the fan questions let me get it <gasps> up because i forgot to screenshot it the fan questions hold on uh, what is oh stories. hi katie stories archive when did i post this okay hold on Ask yesterday wait Just the podcast to nicole yes super yeah please do hey guys this is my best friend nicole she's in like all of my tiktoks and instagram posts she is the icon at yeah, the moment. She was, she was the first non-racing friend that I, like, learned the name of of yours. Because I would just be stalking your Instagram, and I was like, oh, this girl pops up quite a bit. She's me. She's the love of my life. Okay, goodbye, Stalker. Nicole. Love you. Okay, these yeah. are the, these are the fan... Job? <laughs> yeah. These are the fan questions that we have. Okay, so, someone asks us, how do you prioritize and balance everything in your life from work, from school, and then from obviously managing, obviously wanting to work in Formula One one day. We'll go Charlotte, Jenna, Katie. I don't think I really have a set system of how I manage everything. And I know in school, especially during trials, I was really swamped with uni applications and I was sending out emails to people to get these internships and these like job opportunities. And I was working at a pharmacy. Um, but I think I, I journaled every single morning. I'd wake up and I'd journal every single morning and I'd plan out what I was going to do today. And then I'd obviously be like, I'm happy for this today. And like, I'm, oh my gosh, my Wi-Fi. I'm literally going to cry. Um, Charlotte is frozen. Oh, she's back. Okay. Hello. I literally, I just... it, oh my gosh, my Wi-Fi. Um, Anyways, I don't really know how I manage it. I like to just like I keep a level head and everything and I try not to stress myself out too much about things. Like I, I'm aware of the fact that like things are only stressful 
when you push yourself to a point where you make it stressful or you place yourself in a stressful situation. So I try to keep myself as calm as possible, like when managing everything. And I try to like not fill myself up with too much that I know that I'm not going to be able to handle because that's when I get stressed and that's when I start feeling bad about myself. So I know my capacity and I know what I can like do and what I can't do on certain days. So that's kind of how I manage it all during like the HSC and trials. Um, but now that I'm free, I've got time free to do whatever. Man. Free. That's pretty Jenna, you? I mean, this has been, like, a really big part of my life. Um, Learning how to balance going to... I went to normal public American high school and middle school and elementary school. Or, like, primary, I think you call it. But, um, yeah, I think I just have a lot of practice at it. Um, I think it all started when I was, like... Sorry, this is kind of a long story, but since I asked, I feel like I do have pretty good insight on this. Um... It started when I was, like, 16, and I moved down to Miami almost full-time for work. Um, And learning how to balance school there just took a lot of almost, like, manic moments, in a sense, that I think I still kind of get to this day of, like, oh, my gosh, I had this paper due. Like, oh, my gosh, I had this due. And, like, there is a lot of, like, I don't think anyone ever, like, really figures it out. Like, yeah, you know what? I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning. I wrote an essay. I went for a run. I went to the gym. Now I'm going to work full-time at 16. Now I'm going to come home. I'm going to hang out with my parents. I'm going to spend time with my hometown friends. Like, you cannot do it all. I've tried. And when I try to do it all, I get really frazzled and, like I said, like, almost kind of manic and stressed out. I've always struggled with really bad, like, time blindness in a sense. That if I feel like, I think it's kind of wired into my system because of racing and because of the adrenaline and racing that I'm obsessed with. If I sleep in, I freak out. And I've had to teach myself that, like, it's okay to come home and just not do anything and just be a normal teenager. And I think that, I know that, I'm pretty sure your demographic, Tiana, is, like, pretty young, like, our age or even a little bit younger. And I think that one thing that you can do is... Do things you love and, yes, push yourself to do better and, you know, make connections and reach out to people. I reached out to, like, seven people this morning because I'd love to get into, like, the presenting side of F1. And I did that. And then I've also been super stressed out and, like, anxious lately because I haven't been in the F1 paddock in a while. And it's making me nervous and I don't really know what next year holds. But I realize that I'm an 18-year-old girl and there's a lot in front of you your family, your hometown friends that know nothing about racing, like don't skip out on time with that and don't skip out on school dances and fun things that you're never going to get back to just to pursue this dream. You have time to pursue your dreams and being authentically you and taking time to spend time and be a kid is not something you want to skip over. So I think for me, it was learning to when to take a break almost because it's a really, like I say all the time, volatile industry. Like I explained it to my parents is like, it's hard to get your foot in the door. Your foot gets slammed 15 times in that door and then maybe you'll get in. It's tough. And I think anyone can do it. And I think that anyone can be in this industry. And when people reach out to me all the time saying, oh my gosh, how'd you get your job in F1? What kind of jobs are there in F1? I'm like, these are massive companies. Like any job at any other company, you're going to find in Formula One. Formula One's just a branch. It's the cool bit of being in racing. But there's 800 jobs at Aston Martin headquarters that you could apply for. You know what I mean? Oh, you have, like, experience working at cash register? You can sell merch at a race. Like, there's everything under the sun that can get you into Formula One. It's just about having authentic conversations and meeting the right people. And sometimes, I know it sucks to hear, just being in the right place at the right time, that gets you those opportunities. But in the meantime, I think learning how to balance 
I think stop trying to do it all. Stop trying to finish every single assignment with 100% and an A, okay? I graduated with fine grades, but there was a few assignments, like, here and there where I'd be overseas that I'm, like, I, I can't, like, do this right now. Like, this is what I'm prioritizing. I'm, yeah, I, and... I think my life has always been a little bit different because I have put racing before school and racing as in work and that I can do that because I'd spent so much time learning how to, you know, be diligent and write tasks down and stay on top of things. And I had a lot of help from my parents to be like, Jenna, you got to get this essay done. And like, I'm not ashamed to say that, but I think that just slow down and you're going to learn how to sort everything out. And there's nothing I can tell you now, except sure, like make to-do lists. You're going to get everything done. It's going to be fine. There's nothing I can tell you now that is going to help push you forward in your career other than just don't lose sight of what's directly in front of you and just spend as much time being a kid as possible because there's a lot of people in the F1 paddock that are remarkably burnt out and just are like, it's just another race weekend to them, weekend to them. And I personally don't want to lose that magic. So I spend a lot of time away from the track doing other things I love so that the F1 paddock is still this super special, almost like sacred place to me. So I know that was a little bit off topic, but I know that a lot of young girls in this industry have a massive chance of doing amazing things, but promise me and like, or trust me, I know I get it. Don't waste your time when you're 15, 16, 17, wasting your youth and your teenage years and your fun weekends at home with your friends just to chase something that's going to be there for you the rest of your life. Yeah. That was kind of deep, but like that was me. And I regret a lot of like, I regret not going to all the high school stuff and I regret not you know spending more time with my friends because those opportunities in racing will always be there for you so like you can do things now and learn how to manage your time now to make it easier for you when those doors open up for you but in the meantime just keep it as something super awesome and special that you really want to do and like your passion for that will drive you to get there but in the meantime don't have your eyes set 500 feet in front of you like you have to look at everything yeah that's all that was a lot that makes sense though. That was deep. I'm sorry. You are so wise, Jenna. That was amazing. I loved that. Um, I think to kind of bounce off of you there, like talking about not wasting your youth, that's been like a big thing for me. Particularly this year, like um uh three of us, so Tiana, Charlotte and I, have both just finished our last year of high school. And I think you like looking back Yeah, exactly, like all of us this year. Um, you know, looking back you think oh my god like I did all of that and like yes I like worked hard at school blah 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 but like look at all these amazing memories that I have and take photos and spend time with people and and like be spontaneous and be like okay let's just go do this and but I think to speak on like balancing your life I am 100% a planner like I had a really intense exam schedule like I had uh, four exams in four days which is a lot um like so one every day and I had to like have everything planned out I had to have from like eight o'clock to nine o'clock there, there was like no minute free it was like from 18 to eight like but that is the kind of person that I am and I feel that stresses out a lot of people like I have a really close friend who that would really stress out but I remember she texted me it was her birthday she was like can we go out to lunch I was like yes I have a time slot free between 12 10 and 12 50 and she was like okay we'll do it then then but yeah so finding if that works for you because I find it really stressful when I don't know if I'm gonna fit like I'm the kind of person who if I have to be somewhere at 10 45 I 
know that I have to leave by this time and that means I have to start my hair by this time you know like I'm that kind of person so I think it's finding what works for you to keep you calm and to keep you on track um particularly with school because that's all I can really talk about because um I don't really do the tech like I and again make your priorities clear with people before I even started exams I made a video and I was like hey I'm taking three weeks off because I need to study I made it super clear with my parents I do a lot of the things around the house you know the cooking the cleaning blah 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 blah. and I was like I can't be that person for you guys this through this period I have to focus on myself and I I'm happy to do dinner once a week or whatever rather than however many days I usually do it um yeah so I feel like that's how I achieve balance Tiana how do you achieve balance yeah, so like similarly to what all you guys have said, really, it's just, it's it's hard when it seems very overwhelming as someone who has major like anxiety or like all the time, like when you see and when you look at everything that you have to do, it's just like, oh my God, like, how am I going to get this done? How am I going to do everything? I like, I need to finish this all by a certain time. Like, I don't know, like, especially during, I think during the HSC, I was more calm, whereas during trials and like the first block of exams, I think I had, oh, Charlotte's dog. But I think I had like five panic attacks in the span of trials because I was just like, I genuinely don't know how I'm going to finish this all and everything. And then I just started like planning out my day. So I have a planner and I have, um, I have like on my phone, I have an app and it just literally is like every single time that I need to finish something, I like, it gives me the time limit that I have and then it locks my phone. Even like my biggest distraction is my phone. And, like, that is my number one, like, the one thing that I get distracted on because I will go onto, like, Instagram to message someone and then I will just end up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So what I do is, like, I lock my phone. Like, I lock... There's an app that can just, like, lock your phone, lock certain apps. So the only way I could message people was on iMessage. And so I couldn't do... I couldn't access anything else. Couldn't even access, like, my camera if I wanted to. So it helps me to stay focused. And, like, then that helped me to balance everything. And at the end of the day, like Jenna said... It is so important that you do not waste your childhood or you do not waste your youth because these are years you're never going to get back. Like, your high school years. Obviously, for us, for, for actually, I can say, I don't know if it was the same in New Zealand and, and America, but I can say safely for Australia, we missed, like, three full years of school because of COVID. And there's three years of my, like, life that I will never get back and three years of, like, interacting with people and interacting with people when I'm still a teenager that I will never get back in my life and it sucks but Mm. people like people who are now like 15 16 17 like you still have that chance to interact with your friends and I'm so driven on my goal to get into Formula One but at the end of the day there is nothing stopping me from jumping on a FaceTime with Katie or going out with my friends and going out to a party with my friends because at the end of the day I know that Formula One is always going to be there and even if I can't get into a job right now there are other ways for me to get into what I want to do but my friends my friends and my family are the most important thing to me and that that's the way it should be and like I know that for a lot of people their friends and family obviously they're very career and goal driven and that's amazing to see but once again your friends and family are also going to be there and they also want to spend time with you and see you face to face so just make sure that you spend some time with them and everything will work out if you ever feel stressed out or anything you can like just take a deep breath in do something that really calms you down mine is like listening to music or like just like doing self-care and yeah and then everything will work out in your favor 
Okay, so the next question, I'm trying to find a one that's not really deep because all of these questions are like low-key, very like we can like rapid fire like, them. Okay. Or we could even we could even film like another segment that's like yeah, guest I, questions or I, mean, I have one that's some, not like, very deep. This is from Leo. Oh, okay. okay, you go, you go, you go then. Go ahead. No, it's okay, you go. I'll, I'll No, you go. Because then we can go into my segment. Oh, okay. This is just from Leilani. Sorry. I did see that, and I was like, what is happening in your camera? But they it wasn't, it was frozen, and it wasn't coming off, so it was just unattractive. So maybe just zoom in on Katie for that part. I'm sorry. Okay, well, that's okay. Um, okay, so this is from Leilani. Leilani wanted me to really get you guys to answer this question. So, do you think that Max Verstappen will have a long streak of wins into next season? And if not, when do you think that he, when do you see his ultimate downfall? That was really badly worded, but... His downfall, the downfall of Max Verstappen. When do you see it happening? We'll go Jenna, Charlotte, Katie. 2048, maybe. I think Red Bull's really dominant. I think that McLaren will fight them next season, but I, and I think the win streak maybe might not be as, you know, long, but I think that it's going to be in every other race kind of thing. Like, I think if someone beats Max once, Max doesn't let it happen again the next race, so. I don't see a downfall for him anytime in the near future. Charlotte? I'm going to have to agree with Jenna on that one. I can't see it. But then again, a lot of seasons provide us things that we just aren't heard of and we haven't thought of before. So I'm not sure. But I can't see it ending next season. That's fair. That is a fair point. I don't think... I don't think that Max will... I think Max will retire at his peak is what I'm going to say. I think that he will he will have a really good season. He'll be like, right, bye. Like, he won't do kind of like that, oh, I'm just going to go to, like, another team for a couple years and drive a subpar car. He isn't going to do that. He will retire out of the Red Bull seat. And, yeah, I think that's me. That is a very fair assessment. I agree. I agree with all of your points. I just think, like, this, like... At the end of last year, we thought that Verstappen wasn't going to come out of, or like Ferrari weren't, oh, I mean, Red Bull weren't going to come out like absolutely dominating like they did. I don't think anyone expected at the start of this year for Red Bull to really dominate as much as they did this year, and they did. So I can't really even say that I'm like thinking that another team will be like anywhere close to them, even though I think McLaren obviously have a very good chance. And obviously, the championship was way closer at, like, the Constructors' Championship was way closer at the end of this year than it was at the end of last year. So I think that provides us with good signs, but, you know, you never know. And, you know, I think Max Verstappen, like Katie said, will retire at his peak and yeah. he'll retire in the Red Bull seat. Okay, Can Katie, what, on, what, do you, what do you think? Oh, sorry. Can you no, go? No. no, 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 you go. Say what you want to like, say. I'm, I'm, like, not the biggest Max Verstappen follower. I like Max Verstappen, but I'm getting lost from my brother, who's, like, Max Verstappen's, Max Verstappen's biggest fan. But he was talking to me about it. We had, like, a long conversation about this, and he was talking about how Max, like, at times doesn't enjoy racing when he's always winning and i don't know like if max was like in the room with max when he said this but he was like he'll probably retire when his contract runs out which i think is 2028 yeah 2028. so i'm excited to see what happens in 2028 to see if max is right about max 2028 we'll be back here on the podcast talking about if max is retired. right here believe you me we'll still be here like yeah. we'll still be we'll be okay, 23 rapid fire so these these are some rapid fire questions um no explanation for what you're saying. Just 
say lots of these are just like a driver or a moment so we'll do that um we'll, okay. we'll go Gina Charlotte Tiana Caitlin each time uh in your opinion what is oh if I say driver it means any driver like you can do any race car driver um but I guess they have to be on the current grid okay uh the most underrated driver go Oscar. I don't know if he's underrated. Go on. That's where I'll leave it. Oh my gosh, this is hard. Honestly, this is going to be really weird because he won the F3, but Bordoletto. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, mine would be Alex Albon or Bordoletto. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was going to go Alex Albon too. Okay, next question. Uh, who was your favorite Formula 2 driver? Jack Dewan. Um, I really like a Wasser. Is that how you say his name? Sorry if yeah, I just pronounced like, that. Um, Clement Novelak, obviously. Okay. Uh, what number was Trevor Scott on your Spotify Wrapped? In terms of artists, was he on anybody's Spotify Wrapped? Yeah, Telekinesis was my most played song, but it's because like. I got. I had like my high school email used uh, on my Spotify, and I like legally graduated in like June. So then I got cut off. So it's only from like September to now. Okay. Oh. Cool. Oh yeah. He was not on my Spotify rap. Sorry. I have never listened listened to a Travis Scott song like in free will. So. <laughs> I think I have <laughs> listened to like the first fifteen seconds of Sicko Mode. Like, just like for me times, just like because I really like table chip. Okay, um, oh sorry, hold on. Okay, you get to pick one driver to get an F one seat in the next five years. Who do you pick? Jack Doohan. They do. Shars like. Shara is too stunned to speak. Jar- no, she cut out. I didn't hear a word she said. Oh, okay, Jenna she said, said, she um, said Jack Doohan. Jack Doohan. Yeah, what's the question? <laughs> oh, the question oh, okay. is which driver? <laughs> which yes, driver would you get? Into F1 in the next five years. Oli yes. Gerthal. Clement Novelak. Liam Lawson. Ooh, I forgot about him. Um, okay, hold on, let me just check. Oh, okay, um, this person has said, please leave this anonymous, but I want <laughs> question, I have a genuine question. Same, I have one after okay. Katie, so. Okay. Um, you guys can have a moment to think about this, so I'll, I'll share my one, and, um, you guys can then have a think about it. Um, your fave F1 radio call from the year, mine would have to be George saying, oh, it's raining, it's raining. And his engineer's like, no, it's not. And he's like, oh, it must just be sweat. I think that's really <laughs> funny. That was quite funny. Um, oh, that's hard. Ooh. That's a hard question. I have this saved. Wait, I have a saved one, and I need to go back. To um, mine was like definitely that. when Carlos um kept Lando within DRS and was like telling Ferrari, like, yeah, it's on purpose. Oh yeah, that was. It's on purpose. That was insane. That was good. That, that was, was a great weekend. That was a great race. Oh. And all of the TikTok edits that came after it. Like, so cute. 
Um, I'm trying to think. I can't even think of, like, a good, like, team radio that I, like, really enjoyed this year. Hold on. I'm gonna Google it. Max Verstappen just complaining to GP. Like, don't talk oh, yeah. to me when I'm in the corners. Don't talk to me when I'm in the breaking. I, like, pretend to do a radio, I always put my hand up like I'm on a phone call. It's really strange. Hello? Um, I reckon... I reckon mine's I feel like people Lewis, think like I'm so, back, like, rude. And I'm actually it. not. I'm actually a really nice girl. <laughs> I just have anxiety. I just... That's fair. Hold on, I'm trying to get my okay, favorite. Charlotte, you tell, you tell yours. Go, Charlotte. Or the one where they were like, it looks like they're gonna sacrifice the player. Like, what do you mean, sacrifice him? Channel's gonna get some watch mojo like, video. Get, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Watch mojo top 10 F1 radios radio. from 2020. I literally am on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Looking up the best radios. Okay. Did we get the same one? I'm um, trying to find. Oh, this was. Oh, mine. Mine has to be in Brazil when Lando took sp- like the sprint race pole, and he was like, "Oh, I thought I had like the worst lap time ever." And then he was like really concerned about how he got pole because he felt like his lap was horrible. And then he was like, "Damn, must be good. Must have been a good lap then. Must have everyone else." Is that me? Yeah, it's you. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's I have my to find my radio, and you showed up. It's a look-alike. Okay, this is the last question that I have for all of you. Clone. Um. Okay, hold on. Where do you see yourself, your F1 journey at the end of next year? For a lot of us, maybe our journey doesn't involve F1, but where do you see what? Okay, re- realistically, what what do you see? What are your plans for the future? We'll go. Charlotte, Jenna, Katie, me. Like this time next year, where do I see myself? Yeah, and like your plans for the future if you really want to dive into those. Um, this time next year, I definitely see myself in university, starting university, either majoring communications or journalism. But like as for a career, I think it's just, it's such a large industry and it's really hard to pinpoint one specific thing that I'd like to do in the industry, which I think is why I want to study majoring communications because it's quite holistic in the way that it teaches everything across the board. And so I'm not putting any pressure on, like, you know, what I want to go into now. I know that I want to do something in the, like, field of sports. But, like, what that is, I'm not sure yet. And I want to be sure of what I'm doing. So I feel like something like a degree, especially three years in uni, is something that's going to really help me pinpoint what I want to do. And obviously I'm working in basketball now and I'm doing their match reports, which is something that I'm really enjoying and it's really fun. But I want more experience in other fields as well before I, like, hone down on one specific thing to do that as a career. Yeah, the Wi-Fi. So I guess just, like, exploring all my opportunities. Yes? Yes, sorry. No, you're good. You're good, Charlotte. Did I do something? Okay. Um, Just, like, exploring all my opportunities, seeing areas where I can grow, areas that I can improve on and things that I want to do more. Um, And genuinely just, like, growing into myself more being more sure of myself and being more sure of like my capabilities and what I can do and like you know feeling more deserving of things that I've got um and being able to like allow myself to feel as though I like I'm meant to be where I'm meant to be and all of that mm-hmm. that's nice okay, I'm so I like sorry. Plan. Jenna Thank God. <laughs> just go. my plans for next year are I mean, I do plan to be back in the F1 paddock. Um, I was planning on moving back to Milan in January. That's not happening because 
Um, being an American, it's kind of difficult with the political climate right now to be in a big city. My parents are a bit apprehensive of everything going on war-wise, but that's kind of deep. Um, I do plan to be back with F1 at some point, probably over the summer. Um, but I'm really trying to get an IndyCar gig right now because I love being home. I love the United States of America. Um, roll Tide. But... I think it would just be a really cool industry to get in, and I think F1 is getting a little bit saturated, um, and I just think that there's a lot of opportunities in IndyCar to do something like Lissy McIntosh does to be a presenter of sorts, and I really would like to get into presenting. It's what I actually did initially um, when I really got into racing full-time for a karting company. I did broadcast, broadcast journalism, et cetera, and, and I really liked it. So I want to get into that. Um, I'm also doing a lot of work in the IMSA paddock in America, so... Two really cool, IMSA is like WEC, but in America. So endurance racing, sports cars, etc. It's really cool, and um, I have a lot of opportunities coming my way. I just don't have anything super confirmed. So I'll be around, just keep up. But I'm still in business school full-time. Yeah. Um, so I'm still focusing on that. Uh, I'm on break right now, which is really nice. But that definitely is one of the top priorities. So we'll see where I end up racing-wise, but it'll be somewhere, because... You know. Katie? She's got, she's got it planned. You know, we'll see you around. We'll see you around. Yeah, she'll be back. Um, yeah, so I am on the 10th of February. I'm going down to go to University of Canterbury, which is in the beautiful Ōtutahi Christchurch. Um, on and I'm doing an engineering degree. So that's four years of my life. Um, I'm really, really excited. Like, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, so going down there, I don't, so basically to explain the degree, you do like one, like just general year where you just learn a whole bunch of different stuff. You basically just take, uh, maths and physics papers for a year and, um, then you decide what specialty you want to do. And if you get into that, then, um, you're good to go, like your major. I think I want to do software engineering, but. We'll, we'll see where it leads. I mean, generally people think that I want to do um, like mechanical engineering so that I can work on cars, but um, that's not really my passion. So I think we're going to do software engineering, which 100% could um, uh, lead to me working in a Formula One team, of course. They have, people think that like F1 just has like aerodynamic engineers and mechanical engineers, but they don't. They have so many different types of engineers um, that work across the board. So any engineering degree you get, you basically could could land yourself a job in motorsport. But yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Obviously, going to keep up the TikTok things. I'll be on the mic keeps with Tiana next year. We've got some real big plans for um, from the field to the track. So yeah, just kind of life as normal, but with with a little bit of engineering, which I'm really looking forward to doing. Um, Tiana, what are your big plans? I don't know really. Okay, so I'm going, I'm moving down to Canberra to study at the University of Canberra, a Bachelor of Communications and Media in sports media. Hopefully that gets me kind of like up and running to obviously everyone kind of knows what I want to do, which is to be a sports journalist, sports presenter, all of that stuff. Um, Look, I would be very remiss of me to say if I didn't really hope that this time next year I had kind of some experience working in Formula One, and I know that is a very long shot in the dark, but I am willing to back myself here. Look, you have, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, and so, look, even if we've interviewed someone from Formula One or, like, 
even junior series like that would be very very iconic to me and it's only three years degree so three years of my life and then I'll graduate by the time I'm 21 so yeah it's a bit scary I'll actually graduate Yay, when I'm in yeah, Canberra in Canberra of all places in the world if you don't know much about Australia beautiful, if you don't know much about Australia and right the beautiful uh, capital, the capital of Aussie yeah, the, so Canberra is the capital of oh, Australia, okay. but it is the most boring state and territory of Australia because there is literally nothing to do there. It is no. A sm- what is there to do I there, I had Charlotte? a really good ice cream in Canberra. When oh, okay. When I SATs in Canberra, I had the best ice cream ever. I think it was the ice cream place that you took us to. Um, Messina? Oh, I love Messina. Oh, I love Messina. There was a line, like, all the way out the door. But yep. surprisingly, there's a nightlife. Um, so what's that say? <clears throat> Watch because that, there's a uni there. There's One, just like there's, there's like five unis. Yeah, AN. You have like just. several unis because you have the Sport Institute, ANU, like all of these unis. But essentially, Canberra is like a small like territory between Sydney, um, between New South Wales and Victoria, right? And so the entire reason that Victor- that Canberra came, oh ACT became the capital territory, was. Victoria, Victoria, and New South Wales were in intense beef with each other over who's going to become. The state, like the state's capital, like back in the years of federal, I don't know what it's called now, I forgot, but anyway, so they were fighting and then they were like, okay, let's pull out a map, see what's in between both Sydney and Victoria. Anyways, they find this tiny little town called Canberra. That's the capital of Australia. That's where, that's where all the politicians are. So yeah. And yeah, but other than that. every day. Yeah. I'll be going to Questacon every single day of my life. Just like that slide and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, also I really hope the podcast is still going strong, going well. Probably we've had these two on very much a few more times than we have had them on right we now. Can do it Europe but yeah, those are the plans for the future. And Katie, it is now time for your time to shine. The moment that everyone looks forward to at the end of every episode. Okie dokie. It is everybody's yeah favorite time of the episode it is time for the drive of your life question you do a lot of driving in your life so do the formula one drivers my question to you is we might open it up a little bit which formula one formula two or formula three driver that drove at some stage this season would you like to do a bit of a carpool with so maybe you drive him on kind of yeah your tuesday thursday and he drives you on your monday wednesday friday um just so you guys can kind of cut that time by going in the carpool lane uh the stickler is he has to be in charge of ox who are we picking or you know what i feel like lando norris would have some good music as a dj like i feel like he'd whip something good up Jack Crawford. So, a lot of people don't know this, but Jack and I actually grew up together in, like, American karting, so I feel like we just have a lot to talk about, and I trust his ox. This is my dog, Goose. She's really sad right now because there's people over. That's all. But, yeah, me and Jack could definitely... We just have a lot to talk about. And I trust his music. Or, if we're talking F1, probably Ricardo. Okay, so... Okay, so... You two have go with my just top pick for driver of your life ever, Daniel Ricciardo. I trust his driving. I'm sure his music's great. We're happy days. Um, yeah, just genuine me driving to work every day, just having the time of our lives. 
And I feel like he wouldn't be super critical of my driving as well because I'm like not I'm an all right driver, but can probably compared to a Formula One driver, um, we're probably not on the same level. So um, yeah, I think for yeah, that you're reason, probably a bit higher. Be good. Oh yeah, well yeah, driving a road car probably. Um, me and Rhonda, yeah, no, we definitely get around. That's for sure. That's my car's name, by the way. Um, Rhonda, <laughs> Tiana, who are you carpooling with? Tiana's Wi-Fi decided to stop working, but I said Alex, Albin, and Lily. Once again, we have come to the end of From the Fields of the Track, another very, very, very special episode. I would like to thank, obviously, Jenna and Charlotte for joining us on this very special episode. Obviously, it means the world when we can have our two very close friends on the podcast with Katie and I. And as per usual, I would like to make a quick and huge shout-out to Katie for always being ready to just deal with my nonsense and everything that really I have to do so I'm very grateful for that and yeah lots of love to you all and I hope you all have an amazing Christmas holidays break stay safe and we love you do you guys have anything else you want to say thanks Diana for having me on and thank you guys for listening because I did have a lot to say as per Jenna <laughs> has a lot to say. we're actually calling the episode oh. that Charlotte Actually. Um, I love you. Thank you. No, I can't speak English today. Thank funny. you for letting me on the podcast. I always love doing this. I was so excited. Like, I couldn't sleep Okay, dearest night. beloveds. I have to pitter-patter. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I love you all. Bye.